Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. We're coming to you just after a welcome away win at the London Stadium. Rarer still, the Reds came from behind to beat West Ham 2-1 with a great strike from Gakpo and a bullet header from Joel Matip, cancelling out Paqueta's opener. There was controversy at the end over a potential Hammers pen and David Moyes was left with a big smart snarl on his face. Twas ever thus. To talk over this one, I've got another grumpy David, Mr Usher, the editor at liverpoolway.co.uk and the pride of South Wales, Julian Richards. Dave, I know it's not saying a lot, but in terms of um, away performances this season, this was actually pretty good at times. Uh, I, can I just start by saying I'm not grumpy whatsoever. It's a great result tonight. <laughs> Forest winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everton I, I, down to second from bottom. I'm not, not grumpy at all tonight. Plus the Reds won as well. Yeah, there you go. Bear, Secondary in consideration. Mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome to the Everton My Get Relegated <laughs> podcast. <laughs> can't believe I didn't build that into the intro. I'm going to get fired from this job. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you buried the lead. <laughs> no, it was good tonight. Uh, um, it wasn't brilliant. There's, there's still like things to work on, obviously, but it was it was a lot more good than bad. A lot of things in there to you know, be encouraged by. Um, the penalty thing at the end, I, I mean, I, I, if West Ham want to... Like, feel unlucky well look at the the disallowed goal which is like a marginal offside that you're unlucky there mm-hmm. you're not unlucky with the penalty that's not a penalty the rules of the game say that's not a penalty so if that had been given it would have been a scandalous decision maybe in the past you, you know you can say it's 50 50 go either way but you can't give penalties for that anymore if it hits a part of the body and then bounces up and hits a hand they're not allowed to give penalties for it so Moyes can cry all he likes about that, but it's not a penalty. Um, and they didn't deserve anything from the game anyway. We were the better side. Um, deserved the win. It wasn't wasn't vintage, but yeah, that was, um, I thought like Trent again, that's really encouraging that role. I thought like the first half especially, he was just out of this world. He was fucking sensational. Um, faded a bit as the game went on, and then I think he went to right back towards the end, didn't he, when we were just mm. protecting what we had. Um, so that was a real big positive. I thought Joel Matip had a great game, uh, which is significant actually because we, you know we all said if Kanate's not there, what's that right hand side going to look right. like if Trent plays in the middle? And Joel just completely locked that side down. I thought he was really really good tonight and quite fitting that he got the winner. Um, other positives, I thought Curtis had another good game. Um, not spectacular, but he did he did everything well. Um, Gakpo, some some of the touches and and like just the link up play from him in the first half, mm-hmm. outstanding. And I think somebody probably deserves a mention here because he was sneaky good and people probably won't talk about him. I thought Fabinho tonight was like had a really good game. So yeah, lots of positives. Uh, some things to be concerned about. Uh, I thought Jota wasn't great. I thought Mo was awful. Maybe it's just me, but I thought he had an awful game. Um, my boy comes off the bench and absolutely just stinks. So that wasn't mm-hmm. great either. Um, and Virgil, that's just, he didn't have a bad game. He did some really good things. That goal line clearance, well, not a goal line clearance, but a goal saving clearance. That was really good. But a couple of other things, and you're just like, oh, fucking hell, that's not good. That's like not what we're used to seeing from him. Well, maybe we are now, but it's not what we were used to seeing from him. Uh, specifically the disallowed goal you, you know yeah. everybody knows that Jared Bowen is wanting to get on his left foot now I know it's difficult and you know it's it, defenders will often get done like that 
you only have to look at how many goals Mo scores. And when when like Mo gets those goals, we're not looking at the defender and going, "That's your fault." But that's because they're just defenders. Virgil is held to a much higher standard than that. And when right. you see that happening, you think that wouldn't have happened a couple of years ago. There's no way Jared Bowen is able to do that two years ago. So that's a little bit of a worry that we're still seeing things like that from him. But overall, yeah, m- many more positives than negatives from the performance. And it keeps the little run going that we've got. You know, we're definitely better. I mean, we're not we're not at our best by any means, but we're definitely better. There's there's things that you can see that we weren't doing for most of the season that we're doing now. Like without the ball, we're much much better than we were. You know, mm-hmm. like the, there's more energy. The the pressing's good. The counter pressing's good. We we're like hunting in packs. People are chasing, and when they do, like Curtis is chasing people across the width of the pitch and forcing them to knock it out for throw-ins. Stuff like that wasn't happening earlier in the season, but now we're seeing it, and the results have improved because of it, really. Because it's not yeah. like our attack and play is great, but we just we look like a. Um, what we were saying, this I think this is the best way to to sum this up is for most of the season we were so fucking easy to play against. We totally lost that thing where we were the team nobody wanted to play. Now, we're not back there yet, but we're much more difficult to play against than we have been. So, that's progress, I suppose. Yeah. Just on, you know, on that point, certainly we haven't seen much of it this season, in, especially in the first half. Like West Ham really struggled to get out. Yeah. And we've seen time and time again just how easy it is to play the balls out against us when we've been late into these challenges. And the defence was really high and sort of Joel and Virgil winning the ball back. And like you say, we were hunting in packs and just not letting them get out and it's it's not something we've seen enough this year so that's a welcome return um Jules excuse me I know when we went 1-0 down you were fearing a repeat of what we've seen like countless times it seems like this season going 1-0 down away from home and folding but the response tonight was good yeah this this wasn't the usual away performance we've seen this season um as Dave said it's a li- it's not quite ourselves but it, it's a little bit it's a bit more familiar than we than we've been seeing this season um, tempo was good, like for most of the game. I I, I quite enjoyed the game. I like there's nothing riding on these games, whether we win, draw, lose at this moment. I don't really think we're catching the Champions League spots because United have two games in hand on us, yeah, and they're they're currently occupying fourth. So I, I don't think it's just about finishing the season strong now and gaining momentum. But it ultimately, had we lost tonight, I wouldn't have been too disheartened because I just thought it was quite a good game. It was a bit open in the first half, probably more open than we would have wanted. Uh, West Ham were doing us on the break. But there's just more energy in the performances at the moment. I don't know why. It could just be the addition of, like, you know, the, the change with Trent's position and Curtis, who's barely played all season, now getting a, a run of games and he's he's full of full of beans. Uh, it could just be a confidence issue where, you know, we, we've put three wins together on the bounce. That, that draw against Arsenal where we sort of came back to life, might have been the, the instigator. I'm not sure. Um, but I came away from it at the end of the game thinking like, oh, I've actually enjoyed the game this season. Yeah. I didn't quite enjoy the Forest game because there were so many lapses defensively and like they bullied us so much with that sort of League 1, League 2 long ball shit that you, you sort of came away from going like, well, I'm glad we won, but I didn't quite enjoy that. But tonight I quite enjoyed the game. I quite enjoyed how we played. There's positives to take again, which is nice, instead of the, the incessant negatives that have been most of the season. Um, I agree with Dave. I thought I thought Mo was like... I've been playing um, a Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo recently, and there's like a there's a bit where you've got to hit a button and it reverses the screen. 
and that felt like a bit like how Mo was playing tonight. It felt like everything he was doing was the opposite of what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, but that, he does that sometimes. It, it's a bit weird. He is a bit weird like that. He's like this great, this great player, this great goal scorer, phenomenal touch. And occasionally he looks like he's playing with with shoe boxes on his feet rather than shoes. Um, and he just seemed to make the wrong decision tonight. But uh, that's not. I don't think that's anything to be unduly worried by. Like he's he's Mo Salah. He's still great. Yeah. Um, Hendo was bad as well. I forgot to mention. Yeah, that. I, I, I think that's probably the, the two games in yeah. a week. Right? Too close together. No, can't he can't do it, do it anymore. And and that's one of the reasons why we're looking to to completely overhaul the midfield because there's still a place for Jordan Henderson in this team and in this squad, despite what some weirdos on the internet and on the forum still think. There is still a place for him, but it's not every week anymore, and he's going to have to accept that. The commentators on BT were talking about Milner and another contract and that, and it's like, absolutely, Milner should have another contract. And they were talking rather in in form, ill-informed manner about, oh, it'll be up for the money, man. No, it won't. It'll be about, it'll be up to Milner, go, this is the offer. You're not going to play as much. This is what we want you to do, and whether he wants to take it or not. And it'll be the same for Henderson. You're not going to play all the time anymore. You can't do it. It's just not feasible. And as Dave, I think it was you, Dave, mentioned, he's going to have to start thinking about whether he can play for England anymore. At this point, you have to make that consideration. Better players than him have retired at this point in their careers to save whatever's left of their club careers. And I don't mean Mm. saves in like it's in jeopardy. I mean, just like, you know, keep that resource. Yeah, yeah, keep that resource for it. I wouldn't go that far, but it's... all right. Well, you, you just did. I know, and I, would pre- I was prepared to allow it while he was tapping up Bellingham. But if that ship sailed, then fucking Hendo's got no business being anywhere near the England squad anymore. Well, he's had, I, he's I said, had the World Cup. It's yeah. two years till the next tournament. So, so why is he carrying on? Yeah, just it, to get it, more it caps. Needs to stop now. It's certainly time to, to draw reserves for of his playing career, and the one that pays the money of, of who he's the captain should probably be the priority. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that in the summer. I don't know. But it, he, Milner did that, didn't he? Quite early, yeah. he he jacked yeah. in and then quite early and look at saw him, the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, saw the writing on the wall, so. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and there he is was that one of thing. those players that, well, the, you know, he was one of those players that was always going to get picked in the squad because he's a good utility man and like Hendo, like the top pro that all the young players look up to. So managers tend to keep him around. But he just kind of said no. I think he was about thirty. It was years yeah. ago, wasn't it? It was like yeah. was he even playing for us at this point? No, no. I think it was before he came here. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was about 30, yeah. 29, 30, yeah. Saw the right, no, but he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, no, he saw the writing on the wall and thought, well, that's enough for that. But but ultimately, uh, going back to the game tonight, I I thought that was quite an enjoyable performance. Most of our away performances this season, as you said, we were all down and I thought, all right, here we go. This is, this is going to be the, the, the 2022, 2023 away performance du jour but it wasn't um we came back i unfortunately none of us do enough prep work to know how many times we've come back from a goal deficit this season and won none um there you go i haven't is that, done is that any like, prep work it's a total just, total wild guess but i think i'm all right <laughs> you said it with such authority though i know you should, I know, I was you should gonna, be on gb news with that kind of authority i was thinking no should, have, should have just bluffed my way through and make out i have done research and but i thought no i might be wrong so no but, day, the day you start, the day you stop saying stuff with complete authority is. It's uh, <laughs> when this is over. <laughs> yeah, it's the day that Darwin comes off the bench and has a good has a good impact as a substitute. Oh, he's had plenty of good impacts as a substitute, but he did stink tonight. I can't deny that. Well, that was something I was going to bring up next, actually, because um, 
Jules, you mentioned how much of an improved away performance this was, and I think one as one major aspect of this was how good our passing was tonight. Like there was mm. plenty of zip about it, and like you said, the the tempo was good throughout. And about ten minutes to go, they brought up a stat on screen that said that we'd had seven hundred and sixty nine passes tonight, which was three times the amount that West Ham had, eighty nine percent pass completion. And um, man, I I did do. Contrary to popular popular opinion, we do do a little bit of research. And I looked you up. Do. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, you do. Full credit to you. You always research. It's the rest yeah. of us who don't. Because I don't have that unshakable faith in the fact that every <laughs> word that comes out of my mouth is the God's honest truth. But um, City's season average, they're top of the league with eighty-seven point one. Our season average was eighty-one point eight percent pass completion. But, you know, by the time Darwin had finished, we'd probably got down to about our season average of 81.8. But, Jules, up until that point, passing was fucking really good. Crisp, like, accurate, like, moving it quickly and getting us on the front foot again. I I just thought that was a major element of why tonight was a successful outing for us. Yeah, and is, is that because of Trent's new position in midfield? Is that because... Curtis is playing, and Curtis is playing again. It's a lot of there's a lot of not a lot, but there's people who would deny that Jones maybe has a future here. If he plays like that, he's definitely got a future here, uh, whether it's as a starter or as a squad man. But um, even for as, as Dave said, even Fabinho looked like he you know he's been off the roast dinners and he's been on the he's been on the the, the salads and the uh, the lean chicken, the grilled chicken, and all that sort of stuff. It's that's uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Although I suppose I suppose what we should say is obviously this doesn't detract from we still we still need the overhaul in midfield. Like it's good to be finishing strong and we're experimenting with Trent's position, uh, you know, <clears throat> and it feels better, and it feels like we're, there's some traction again. And we that that's that's what the whole rest of the season is about. It's not about where we finish in the league, Champions League wise. It's about traction, momentum going into next season, regaining a little bit of confidence, a little bit of identity. What do we want to do next season and how do we want to build around it? So taking all those things in and you're right, the, it, it, the passing was crisp, but the tempo was great. Um, we were winning balls back a lot more as well. Winning, you know, the, the, the press was not fully what it was, but we were we were doing it a little bit better. But we still need those midfield reinforcements, whoever they might be, for next season. Can we circle back to that a little bit later? Because there's a point I want to make on that, but let's just stick to the game for now. All right. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Well, I mean, we started really, really well, I thought, and it was it was kind of the same in both halves, halves really. We'd started better, and West Ham got the first goal of the half. The, the, the second half almost disliked, obviously, but... Um, you know, Paqueta scores, he kind of waltzes past Trent and Hendo and he plays a little one-two on the edge of the box. Nobody really gets anywhere near him. And he unleashes a good strike. I think it takes a slight deflection off Virgil, but it's not very often you see Alisson beaten sort no. of that close to the centre of the goal. I just wonder whether the deflection put him off a little bit, but um, good strike. Um, if we'd scored that goal, we'd probably be purring about the, the interplay and stuff, but uh, it's definitely avoidable from our point of view, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's really good from Paqueta. I take nothing away from him. From our point of view, I don't think Hendo's covered himself in glory with it, and Allison should save it. The deflection is not that—it's not that big a deflection. It does—it doesn't change the direction of the ball sideways. It just kind of lifts it up a little bit. But the problem is—I don't know like why he's done it, but Allison goes to his left, and then he can't get back across. So it's not really the deflection that beats him; it's, it's his own movement. So he, whether he was just expecting him to bend it in the far corner and then he's just leathered it like 
on the other side, I don't know, but you never see Allison getting beaten like that. So yeah, he should save that. But it wasn't just Allison. I didn't think Virgil's attempt at a block was particularly great either. And we yeah, said that before. Yeah, and, and Hendo was just kind of treading water, just not quick enough like to stay with him. So yeah, bad goal for from our point of view, but nice football from Paqueta. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And thankfully, for a change, sort of before the rot set in, we we responded super well. I thought we were quite positive, um, almost affronted that West Ham had scored, really. We upped the tempo a lot after that, and um, we got the reward jewels from Gakpo. Uh, after just, I think it was like five or six minutes after West Ham scored, and he'd been like dropping deep and sort of picking up the ball and, inter- uh, you know, <clears throat> had some nice interplay throughout the opening stages of the game, and he did it again here sort of like dropped into in front of the D, picked it up, turns and lashes it in and it was a really, really good finish and I love the celebration from him as well, sort of like a little defiant fist pump rather than going overboard and um, I think from my point of view, I think he's really starting to show us now in glimpses what he's going to do for us next season um, as our main number nine. Is that something that you go along with, or you, you're no, not quite No matter yet. how good he is, though, I'm still going to maintain he looks like a non-playable character in a video game. So as long as we're all clear on that, <laughs> I'm all okay. right. No, I, I agree with everything you said, though. The goal was weird because in initial, you know, you see it and you think, well, why did it go in from there? That must have taken a deflection. And then when you look at it, it didn't take a deflection. It seemed like the skip off the turf was what did... Um, what did the goalkeeper? Yeah. Uh, very, very strange. But I suppose if the goalkeeper's not, you know, fully set for it, doesn't expect it, and then it's from that distance and it's th- with that accuracy, then I suppose, you know, it, it, there's every chance that it'll, it'll end up in the back of the net as it did. Um, yeah, there's lots to like about Gakpo tonight. Again, you know, were, were we a bit harsh on him earlier in the season when we were <laughs> the rest of the team weren't playing possibly but you know you only react to what you see at the time um, but there's a lot more the, the, all of the forwards now including Dave's Nunez um, there's, there's like <laughs> Dave's Nunez Dave's <laughs> um, I mean he costs 70 million quid and yet Gakpo yeah. seems to have like more about him but let's let's not get into that but mm-hmm. um, the, what we've got there, including Jota, who seems to have come back into you know into some goal scoring form, that maybe there's enough to go. All right, no, no, there's 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 materials here. There's raw there's raw materials, Nunez, and then there's refined materials, Salah, um, to work with to put something together uh, to to move forward for next season. I I thought Gakko had a very good game. It's, it's very it's very heartening when he plays games like that because you think. You know, the, the, the Firmino-less future that we have is a bit, like, mm, scary. And then you see that and you think, well, he might not be Bobby. He's never going to have the eccentricities of Bobby and the sort of lovable rogue scamp sort of mm-hmm. thing about him. But um, he certainly might he might well develop the refinement that we need. I think that's a really important point because while he, do, he does lack the exquisite little touches and the flair of Bobby, I think he doesn't... Perhaps he's safer with the ball, doesn't give it his way as much. He's more assured yeah. in possession, and his and his layoffs ball doesn't tend to bounce off him, does it, Dave? It it, it tends to control it and move it on really yeah. quick, and you don't see him give the ball away very often. Yeah, I mean Bobby at his absolute best doesn't give the ball away very often, and the ball mm. sticks to him. But when mm. Bobby's not at his absolute best, that's latter stages for me, right? You were latter stages, as in like last three years, barring like the games <laughs> when he's been really good, but more often than not. He's not been 
as secure with the ball as he used to be. Uh, mm. Whereas I'd say Gakpo is more secure in possession. Obviously, he's stronger as well. He, he's good at like shielding the ball and getting himself turned. Hasn't got like the the genius of Bobby, but you know I, I do think he can do like a passable impression of the things that Bobby brought. Plus, he can bring a bit extra as well. Um, but again, I've said before, it's like I, there's a lot to like about him, and you know potentially he might be world class. He might be fantastic. I just need to see it over like more consistent over a longer period of time obviously he's not been here that length of time so it's not really a knock on him as such it's more a case of mm-hmm. I don't want to go totally overboard on him yet let's wait and see but you know there are a lot of encouraging signs that he could be like, what the Klopp say like about um, players who fit, fit like an arse in a bucket he, <laughs> he could fit in in like the way we play he could yeah. fit like an arse in a bucket he really could in the middle not on the left yeah but fit fit the way we play in the new in the new refined way that we play, right? The new like the the, the modern Liverpool away from the Mane, Firmino, Salah front three. Like I feel like he's a perfect he's a perfect fit for what we're trying to do there. What are we trying refined. to do though? Do we know yet? That, that's because the, there's still confusion for me. It's like, well, why are you signing? Darwin I don't I don't think it'll don't be clear till next season, until the mid yeah. the new midfielders are in. To yeah. be honest. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. It's all will be revealed, I suppose. I mean, Chris is right in, in so much as like they're not all like when well Nunez, I suppose, is, but he doesn't play. But Diaz is fast, but he's not Mane fast, and Gakpo isn't that you know is okay speed wise, but he's again he's not. That front three was built on pace Quicker and power. Than Bobby, I'd say Gakpo's probably. But but when you think of that front three, that's a pace and power front yeah. three. I, whatever the composition of the new front three, whoever plays in that, it's not going to be that, is it? Like no. when LFC Twitter um, Twitter account reminds us of something great that happened on this day within the last five years, and it's it's been <laughs> no one wants to see that this mm. year. <laughs> and you see some they showed us they showed a goal. We were in that orange. A new balance kit, and it was a breakaway goal at West Ham. Yeah. And it was Mane and Salah, and it was just like you know, it was it was just like the straight at like a, a Formula One track, gone. Yeah. You, I don't. You're not really going to see that anymore. It's going to be slightly different. So it, it will be. It's a, not going to be as explosive. I don't think. No, no, it's not. So you, you're gonna you're gonna have that slight difference, aren't you? Whatever the new front. It might it might be it won't it might not be better. It might just be different. Yeah. All right. And we're sticking with the forwards for a minute. Um, we were really good after we got level. Like the, that twenty-five minutes or so that followed the goal was probably among the best we played at home. Uh, sorry, away from home all season. And again, that's not a very high bar to clear. But uh, we could have been out of, out of sight by half time. Uh, Jota hit the ball over from about ten yards out after an absolutely fantastic move. Uh, Virgil had a header wide that he probably could have done better with. Um, and then another one just before half time. Another really, really good move. I think that's what I was referencing. Actually, the the first shot of chance was a bit of a bubble, yeah, bubble one where it just found its way through to him and it volleyed over. But the one just before half time, Dave, yeah. um, the header wide after it was classic Liverpool. It was that's brilliant. really, really good. Yeah, and a shame it couldn't finish it off. And you could you got the sense among the players that they were gutted that that one didn't go in because mm. it was just really, really fab stuff. Yeah, we were playing really well. I, I just think that. Um, 
as I say, I didn't think Hendo was at the races. I didn't think Mo was doing a great deal. Jota was a bit scrappy, but that, you know that's Jota. He still could have had a couple of goals for himself. Uh, the one when he he just couldn't get over it. You know, it was just too high for him. He got his head on it, but he couldn't get like enough contact, mm-hmm. and it's just dropped wide. Uh, that would have been some goal. I thought it was brilliant football. But we were doing that really well. We were passing the ball around. Trent was just completely dictating the game. He was just bossing the game. The only downside to it was I just felt like we didn't really have anything out wide. Everything was through the middle, which is partly because of like Trent's now in the middle and he's not out wide. Um, not that he hugs the touchline anyway, but he's usually on that side of the pitch, maybe whipping crosses in and we have a bit of width. I just felt like we were lacking width tonight, but most other things we were doing was really good. So there's a base there for us to work off and it's just a case of tinkering it now and going, OK, well... How can we get in behind them from the sides? And that's probably where Diaz is going to come in, because it mm-hmm. was it was better when he came on. You know, there was a lot more probing from like from out wide, out to in, rather than just being like in the middle the whole time and it being very condensed. But we kept possession really well, and you know, Trent was just at the heart of everything that we were doing, and just the calmness as well. Like not not just as passing, but like you know, in tight spaces. And he'll just take the ball and he'll just like step to one side and then pop a little ball out and that just it just gave us something like they were chasing shadows. They weren't really able to get a foot in on us. So I thought that mm-hmm. was really encouraging. Um made it easier for like Fabino and Hendo as well, because they were just getting the ball and just popping it off to Trent and saying, Go on then, just you'd go and do something. Yeah. I'd love to hear from Trent right now about how he's feeling about this and whether whether it's something he's excited about or you know, where he's relieved to get out of the firing line of that straight up right back roll a little bit. What do you think, Dave? I think he's probably really enjoying himself because he's getting so many touches of the ball. Yeah. What I do wonder is, you know, moving forward, is this what we're going to do? Or if we were to go back to four three three, like the way we played, well, is Trent like not showing now that he could play in that right-sided, like, Hendo position, and he yeah. could be, like, really good if he did that. And, and then, you know, you sign a right-back, sign, like, a top right-back, and then Trent could play that. And then it's like, well, does that mean you need to buy as many midfield players? So these are, like, questions yeah. now. You know, we always said, well, will they play Trent in midfield? And it's like, we're kind of half doing it, but it's a bit of, like, a compromise. You know, he's still right. technically right-back, but we're, we're moving him into the middle. Rather than just full time saying, okay, you're playing in midfield, he's, he's still doing both. But if we were to, I'm not saying we do it every week, but say, like, we decide, all right, we need to play 4 3 3 in this game, and we'll just have like a, a traditional right back who stays on the right hand side. Well, you're looking at Trent, what he's doing now, I think there's no reason why you couldn't put him in like Henderson's position, like on the right of the three. <clears throat> I mean, do you think that there's any aspect of the way we've, the decision we've obviously made about the Bellingham situation? Do you think that plays into it? You've got a, you've already got an established world class talent who has a similar build, similar athleticism to Jude Bellingham, and um, do you think that we've we've just we've decided to opt out of this deal perhaps because we've got the plan to just have Trent do all that? I don't think so. I don't think no. No, I don't think that. I, I hope not. I hope you two sound like the echo. How Trent's new position could save Liverpool yeah. millions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that has to be a consideration, though, right? If if we are going to transition him out of the back four, then... Mm, not I d- really, I d- because we still seem... need midfielders, don't we? And if that's the midfielder you've wanted all along, well, then... I yeah. don't think that's the reason. If if we have like dropped our interest, and again, I'm still 
yet to be fully convinced about that. And even if it is, <laughs> things can change. It that that's like who knows what's going to happen with that. But if we have like completely said that's it, we're out definitely. I don't think it's because anything to do with Trent. I think it's other factors that would would be the reason for that. Uh, but okay. I do think though, Trent is like this. If we if we carry on with what we're doing, where you've got like Trent coming into the middle playing alongside at the moment it's Fabinho. Who knows what it'll be in the future? Whether we sign like somebody like Caicedo or something like that, for example. But we may as well go back to what I was going to say when I said we'll come back to it later. It, to me, if we're doing this, this whole thing of where like our midfield three were, were like support players and it was like the front the front three were doing all the damage and then Trent and Robbo were, were like the creative force and then you had like three, for want of a better expression, like water carriers in the middle, filling gaps, putting pressure on, winning the ball back and, and all of that. Well, if we're playing this way with Trent in that role now, that's no longer enough for for those three midfield players. Mm-hmm. One of them, and at the way we're playing, I'm looking at Hendo like that specific role that Hendo's in. One of them has got to give us a lot more going forward, like goals, assists, creativity, just just being a big threat. One of the if because we've still got the three players behind them, one of them has got to be giving us something. Now maybe that's why we're getting linked with more attack-minded midfield players like Mount and Gallagher. Um, Nunes, like the, those kinds of players, are more. We were saying, why are all the players who were linked with? Why are they all like number tens more than than like number eight? You know, the the more mm. attacking players. Maybe that's why. Because of if this is what we're going to do, we've got to get more goals and creativity from from at least one of the midfield positions. Possibly even from like the left hand side as well, where Curtis is playing at the moment. I think yeah. like if you if you've got the the two players in the middle Trent and Fabinho or whoever you've got to get more from the other midfielders. Okay. Jules what do you make of all this? I haven't really heard from you lately on on you know on the it, it seems there's always a Trent situation of of some ilk to talk about but are you liking what you've seen so far and what do you what do you make of the future prospects for him in this refined position? The more I see of it the more I I can it isn't I don't think I don't think it's feasible to play it to play this sort of inverted right back role where you sort of leave right back vacant for a lot of the of the time because as Dave said we left a lot of space on that right hand side off the table or on the table I should say um, we just weren't using it that much because there was no one to overlap into it because Trent was in midfield um, whether it whether Trent's long term position is to move into midfield. Um, I'm not sure, but he does seem to play with a lot more freedom when he's in there. I don't know whether <laughs> he seemed to like be thoroughly enjoying himself tonight. I don't know whether it was like the socks down, the short sleeve. It's it's spring. There's not much riding on this. I can do what I want. Mm. But he does seem to be playing with an awful lot of like swagger. Conf- yeah, swagger. Yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly it tonight. Um, and so whether we can harness that long term. Uh, I'm not sure whether it'll be without this right back because I think you certainly can't. I don't think you can play it against the top teams. You're asking an awful lot of the right side of centre back to go back in there and cover. Mm-hmm. And I, on a couple of times when West Ham broke, I noticed that Trent would go into the into the central centre back position and then Matip would go out to the right. And that's all okay, I think, against West Ham. But I don't read. You won't get away with that against anyone who's in the top four. I don't think. I think you'd struggle. Um, 
I mean, like Paul's been banging the drum for Trent in midfield since since he broke into the team. Um, whether this is like the moment where we sort of we haven't got a right, you know, unless it's Milner or Gomez, we haven't really got a right back of sorts. So I'm not sure whether this experiment is this will be the formation next year, or this is the audition to see whether you can actually go into midfield a lot more, and we will buy, as Dave said, a world class, you know, right back. Yeah, I was going to say it's fascinating. It's not that fascinating, <laughs> to be honest. The formation and tactics and this kind of shit is it's not exactly the most exciting thing. It would be fascinating in, if we were good. And we it, were, yeah, it is. In, it's yeah, not fascinating. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it up a challenge again. I wouldn't put it as fascinating, but it is interesting. Mm. It is interesting yeah. to see how this will play out because it will affect the transfer plans. You know, I, you know, I, I, I facetiously said about the echo things like it, it'll save Liverpool millions. But why are we doing it now? Is it just a is it just a sort of demob happy? Well, the season's gone. We'll try something. It doesn't, you know. We'll see what what comes of it, and from it will something happen that will affect the transfer plans or are the transfer plans already in place. It is April. You sort of make them now, April May, to get them in row in a row for the summer. I, I don't know. It's it's difficult. Um, my instinct would tell me there's my instinct would tell me that we would persist with the Trent as right back but coming into midfield but we're on the attack. But you're relying an awful lot on Canate being fit and he can't do that. And again, Matip was good tonight, one one man of the match, but mm. it's West Ham. It's not gonna work it might work at home against most teams, it won't work away against good teams or you know, but how many games? Our asses hand to us uh, in away games. Well, no, I, I, I am good teams yeah, on down yeah, that right are, hand side all season. So we are eliminating. I am eliminating a lot of the league by by, by those caveats. I, I do admit that. Um, again, as I say, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting to see how it all plays out. For the moment, after all the season, trends are. This has been the, the roughest patch he's had of his career, certainly in terms of criticism. It's good to just see him playing with, as Dave said, the swagger. Like enjoying the football again, um, dictating the play, and you know he was excellent tonight. Absolutely, um, looked on top top form. So um, I suppose it's watch this space or the vacant space on the right hand side, if you will. I mean, David. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a good point actually. Because there was one more thing I wanted to say about this, Dave, was there was times when it looked like Trent was he was also playing sort of like an inside left midfield kind of role, like he yeah. was popping up all over the shop. And then um, when we had the ball, there were a couple of times that it looks like the players are still getting used to it as well. They're so used to seeing him out there waiting for the pass to drive forward in that in that sort of right midfield kind of area, and he's not there, so we, <laughs> we lack that width as well. And then. There was that time, I think it was before West Ham scored, that they had that breakaway. And he 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 was actually on that left midfield side there. He was running back. And we just had, like, it was I think it was just, like, poor control or a poor pass or something because we looked screwed from that. Like, there's still obviously, like, a shitload of kinks to be worked out yeah. in this. But does the, does the absence of width concern you if he plays there? It does because we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to just chuck a right back in there because that then that officially moves him into midfield rather than yeah. having him as this hybrid right back. It does concern me to some extent, but I do think it's something that they can work out. And again, a lot of it's going to come down to that position that Hendo's in. You know, mm. if you've got somebody in that position who doesn't mind going overlapping, I mean Hendo does it to be fair, not so much tonight, but 
I do put that down to him like just being a little bit leggy from from playing like twice a week. It's just not something he should do. But he yeah. spent a lot of time in like the last couple of games where he's just been making overlapping runs outside of Mo. When Mo gets it, cuts in, Hendo's running around the outside. So we do get width in that situation. I just didn't think we had much of it tonight. But just yeah. going back to what you were saying there, there was one there was one moment and Curtis was like running across the field from the left and he's cutting in and he was looking and there was acres of space on the right and it's mm-hmm. where you'd expect Trent to have been like bombing on. And Curtis looked up and he's, he's like looking for a pass and there's no one there. And he looks back at Matt and then he's like pointing at Joel into the space going, go on, go there. <laughs> and Joel must have been thinking, fucking hell, do you want me to play right wing as well now? I'm already playing like centre-back and right-back and now you want me to go on like overlapping runs on the outside. But yet there was oh, just like loads of space on, on that side because of where Trent was. But I do think, like, you know, we're in the early stages of this. There's, like, things that they're going to look yeah. at and go, okay, that's not good. That's not really working. How do we fix that? What do we do? And, you know, and they'll work on stuff like that in training. And, you know, I, I think Pre-season. they'll, yeah. And the other thing as well is, like, Robbo's role, it's it's different now. You know, he's having to sit in a lot more than, than we're used to seeing. He's not just, like, bombing on all the time. That's something else that needs working, but... With Robbo, it's like he's got a different player playing in front of him pretty much every game. I know Jot has started the last few now, but all season it's just been like musical mm-hmm. chairs on that left wing spot. So Robbo's not really. That's not going to change either. Mm, probably not because I don't know. Because when Diaz comes back in, I think he's that good. I think he'll just force his way in. But he may yeah. end up like playing some games on the right as well. You just don't know what they're going to do with with, it, with Diaz. I think. Um, I think he could play like either side, right? but he's played predominantly on the left, and I do think he's like a, a class above. I think he's like definitely starts when he's fully fit. It's like mm-hmm. it's him and Mo, and then it's one other. At the moment, yeah. Gak posed the, the man who you'd, you'd say probably deserves to start, but the other two, when when fully fit, I'm starting Diaz pretty much every game. Okay. Well, Jules, Dave mentioned Matip there um, having to play in three positions. He popped up in the six-yard box with 25 minutes to go. Um, he got a header in. Um, it was blocked. The rebound was saved, and it went wide for a corner. And West Ham just didn't learn their lesson. Like They put Ben Rama on him, and he had a completely free header, unstoppable header for him, just on the edge of the six-yard box. And, uh, and we two went up. Yeah, it's one of those goals where it's simultaneously a great uh, attacking play and an awful defensive play. Because it's very, you know, it's all right saying he had a free header, but he's, you know, <laughs> we've all seen him over the years. He's he's prone to just like, you know, 50p heading yeah. it over the bar. So uh, you're right, he was left completely unmarked. He had a full steam um, ahead, sort of run at it. Bullet header, great header. Um, but it was bad defending by West Ham, but it was a good header. Um, it was just, I, just I, he's had a bad season, Matt. It was just good to see him as well having a good game. It's just good to see everyone having a good game. Like, like the sort of malaise is sort of lifted a little bit, and you feel like we're coming out the other side of it. What will yeah. what will end up being on the other side of it? I don't know, but we it feels like we're through the fog a little bit now. We we can see the mm. the the um, horizon again, and um, none, none more so with them with Matip tonight. Played well, goal. You should have scored before on the on the thing. That sort of that was a bit of a pinball situation. So I never I never truly blame players when you have those sort of pinball situations in the penalty area because it's happened so fast. Your reactions it invariably never falls to a player with like a you know a quick strike instinct like Jota or Salah. It's usually your Matips or your Hendos or your Fabinho's or someone like that. 
Um, so yeah, I've just really nothing to say for Matip apart from it's good to see him have a good game and like play well because he's he's been a cracking player for us and he's just had a shit season like most of them has mm-hmm. and you don't want to see them you don't want to see that happen to some of these lads because they've been great servants for us so again I, I would I would guess Kanate won't be fit for Spurs um, so I, I would I would say probably Matty will play again so let's see how he does against uh, against uh, I'm not going to say his name <laughs> England's number nine he'll be up against <laughs> he'll be up against Son mostly though won't he yeah. playing on that left hand side I don't Bear know whether I know will be back or not because didn't he say it wasn't it was nothing serious oh, I mean, you're not believing that all of a sudden I know you? I know yeah what, what am I thinking yeah we'll see him next season <laughs> Bobby's out for three weeks six yeah. months later sorry Chris <laughs> oh god don't Jules you were just you were just being real positive then I was going to say that yeah that's the well, most positive I, I've I, heard I, you all I season I hope they can whatever happens to Bobby I hope they can get him on the pitch for at least 10 minutes of the final home game yeah yeah even 30 seconds would do wouldn't it just so he can yeah just something yeah he deserves it. even if he can't not move, like just get him out there yeah definitely put him on Nunez's back Nunez can do something useful for once <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, um, out there so, for Dave. I'm not biting. No, he's not biting, Jules. I've not really um, got any ammunition to come back. I'm putting my chum out there. <laughs> I'll I'll wait for him to do something good, and then that's when I can I can fight back. But at the moment, I'm yeah. just having to take this. <laughs> You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Well, we've already spoken about the the handball incident late on. Um, covered that. Allison did a sort of nice little uh, good starting position and got out to beat Ings to the ball. Oh, Although I think boss. I could beat Danny Ings to the ball because he's slow as a motherfucker. But um, and it was kind of uneventful after that. But I was looking at our results since February the fourth, right? Since we beat Wolves at Anfield three 0 It's played in the league. It's played thirteen, won eight, drawn three, lost two. Now, in that context, that kind of looks all right, depending on where, considering where we were before the World Cup and the abject start that we had after the World Cup. And I think if you'd have taken that Brighton, sorry, that um, Bournemouth. Bournemouth defeat out of that run, then I think we'd all be look. that has really, really coloured the, you know, yeah. the last couple of months of our season. It, it was such a fucking bummer. It was, it was such a, a down moment because we'd mm. just come off that 7-0 win against United and everything was looking like super rosy. There was prophecies of us being back and all. I just think if Mo puts that penalty in against Bournemouth, we go on and win that game, and things would be looking a hell of a lot rosier now than they would have been otherwise. Is that something you go along with, Dave? Or? Yeah, I think we'd have beat Chelsea as well. Mm-hmm. I think we just went into that Chelsea game on like a, a massive downer, and a lot of it comes down to that Bournemouth game. But it kind of ties in what Jill said before uh, about like where are we, and you know, 
what 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 is our level now and we're not really sure i think what what we are right now we're a top four team like i know we're not mm. going to finish in the top four because the, the horrendous form early in the season but i think the the form that we're showing now it's not anywhere near our best and it's not good enough to be challenging for the title not not even close but what we are is definitely top four level you know we should be finishing in the this this team playing the way it's finished it's playing now will finish in the top four you know ordinarily but it won't be higher than that Look, I've just done the, the maths quickly now. Like, if you take our points tally since February the 4th, those eight wins and three draws, that's 27 points, right? Divide that by 30. Hang on, mate. 27 divided by 13 is two points a game. Extrapolate that after th- over, over 38 games. Hold on. That's 76 points. Right. So more than enough. enough. Comfortably more top enough four, again. but not yeah. challenging for the title. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, that's where we're at, that, I'd say. That's who we are right, right. now. Okay, um, so not much else to talk about from the game from the game tonight. But there were like plenty of other interesting games tonight. Like, and I'll give you some options. Do you want to? What do you want to tackle first? Forest winning, Fat Frank losing five out of five. Or, <laughs> Let's or, do that. Or, Let's right. do that. Can we just? Can we? Before we do Chelsea, you've got to change his name from Fat Frank. It should be Bald Frank now. <laughs> What about fat, fat ball Frank? Frank. <laughs> so he's just Frank from fat it's all sunny and Frank. He's just Frank from it's all sunny in Philadelphia then. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think, uh, given the height differential, I think Danny DeVito probably weighs less than Frank Lampard, but... <laughs> <laughs> and probably has more hair. But um, yeah, poor Frank. Eh? Who'd have thunk that that was the way that was going to go, Dave? <laughs> couldn't have seen that coming at all <laughs> honestly it's ugh, that that guy who owns Chelsea it's the Todd sheer Bowley. arrogance of the fella it's like he knows absolutely fuck all but he's so arrogant he's not willing to concede that and he's still like you know thinks he can just call the shots and it's like that was everybody that's knew. the American way yeah but what everybody knew when Lampard was brought back in, I say everybody, the people in the media, they were like Frank's buddies and they'll talk him up and say, oh, you know, he knows the club, he gets it. And it's like, shut up. No, he's a complete, <laughs> utter fraud. Don't get me wrong, great playing career, not knocking him for that at all. But as a manager, he's a fraud. And I I, I was talking the other day with a, with a Brentford fan and a Villa fan and Lampard came up and like me and the the Brentford fan were both like you know Lampard's absolutely shite, and the Villa fan says, yeah, I, I'm not sure who's worse, like him or Steven Gerrard, and I looked at him and I'm like, oh, fucking hell, and he goes, and I'm like, I don't know about that. I was like, come on, you know, like Gerrard's at least had like a a good career at Rangers. I don't know, he, he might have been bad for mm. years, and he went, honestly, he's the worst manager I've ever seen at Villa, and he's like reeling off all these reasons why Gerrard. They're just a Vengloss. Well, yeah, but he wasn't he wasn't particularly old. He was like quite young, so he probably doesn't remember that. But I'm thinking, all right, yeah, you know what? All the stuff that you're saying about Stevie at Villa, I'm not going to dispute any of that because he wasn't good at all. But the difference is, Steven Gerrard is a manager. Now he might not be a particularly good manager, but he's a, he's a manager. Frank Lampard is not. Frank Lampard is a complete phony who's got no business 
being manager of any football club. He's completely brings he brings nothing to the table at all other than the fact that well, Steven he has a Gerard great bring career. to the table. Well look what he did at other Rangers. Than the fact he had a great Oh fuck off with no. Rangers. Oh, yeah, fuck off with Rangers. <laughs> fucking Scottish but Premier League. The Rangers that could never ever win anything because Celtic was just winning it and then he come in and he actually did well at Rangers. So coinciding ha- with a massive Celtic downturn. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I haven't matter. won it since he, he did all right. He did all right at Rangers. And then he's gone mm. to Villa and he's been found out. Now, again, this is not a vote for Steven Gerrard. I've just said I'm not saying Steven Gerrard is a good manager. I'm saying he is a manager. Frank Lampard, <laughs> it should not be a manager. Frank Lampard is totally in over his head. He brings nothing to the table. He's a total phony. And the only thing that he's got going for him is he knows what to say after they've been beat. He knows what to say to get people to go, oh, Frank gets it, Frank will sort it. And then right. eventually they're like, actually, you know what? He won't sort it. And he's only so good at talking after defeats because the amount of fucking practice he's had at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what he said tonight, right? Speaking to BT Sport after the game. Well, Hang on. Hey, Chris, Chris, Chris. <laughs> when, you let, when you let Dave guess what he said and then see if it matches up. Okay, go <laughs> on then. I don't know what he'll have said tonight, but I've seen what he said at the weekend. Um, Go on, Dave. Guess it. Get, you say he's so good at it. What, generally, what, what? it's it's all to do with that's not good enough for Chelsea Football Club. We've all got to no. do better, and you know the players have got to show more pride, and I've got to do a better job because the fans deserve better. Blah blah blah. That's his usual stick. But he said all of that at the weekend, so he's probably mm-hmm. going to have to go in a different direction tonight. He has, he has, yeah. He's gone in a completely different direction. I haven't got the full the full interview in front of me, but these are the quotes, right? Well, it's a difficult one, yeah. I feel for the players a bit. In terms of the game, we control it possession-wise. Brentford are good at what they do. The details of the game are pretty clear. <laughs> and I'll drop the accent there. No, it's good. Go, we are, it's good. It's good, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the first for everything. Uh, we are lacking belief at the top end of the pitch today because we were there a lot. So you lose the game. And he goes, this is, this is the kicker, this one. This is not a sob story, but everything is going against us. <laughs> so that's, like, that's like the living, breathing definition of a sob story, right? Uh, but this this game was that game was a clear one in terms of being everything going against us because even though we didn't create big chances, we were always in control. Um, it's a difficult run in. Some players came in today and did all right, so maybe it's time to see them a little bit more. At the moment, I can't complain about the application of the squad, which usually. That's kind of his go-to as well, hasn't he? He'll throw his players under the bus. He hasn't done that there. Um, and he said, we would love a magic wand and a magic moment, but that doesn't come in football because the Premier League is tough. We have to fight for our moment. It's the same story. Keep going, keep working. This isn't an easy moment in the season when a club is used to winning a lot, but those aims and goals are not there. Do you reckon he's mm. going to go Can't like the the rest of the season, losing every game and set some Hopefully, kind of that'd be hilarious. Because <laughs> he's lost every yeah, one so far, hasn't he? I mean, you're right. He does know the club inside out because he knows where the toilets are and he knows where the dressing room is and he knows where the you know the the vending machines are. But he doesn't know anything else about football no. at that club. I, it's I mean, yeah, it's mad. It's madness that they ever appointed him. And madness. you talk about like, <laughs> yeah, did it, did it, did it, did it, yeah. Maybe they should give it to uh, Suggs because I'm sure he knows the club as well. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Like in terms of like his his job prospects after this, and I know this is something that you've kind of referenced before, Dave. But I've just checked Paddy Power, and in terms of 
where Frank goes next. He's he's favourite to be the next Tory Prime Minister at the moment. <laughs> 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 oh my god. <sighs> but hey, um they're where, where are they now? They're eleventh on thirty nine points. So are they safe, I guess? Are they thirty nine points? They're just about 39, safe. Yeah. Fucking hell. But if you take maybe they five points if you take five off them, I think they'd be in serious danger of going down. Mm-hmm. But listen to That's this, crazy. right? I've got I've got his record in front of me now. Frank Lampard's last nineteen games as a manager. So you ready for this? Yeah. Lost two nil. Lost two nil. Lost two one. Lost two nil. Lost one nil. Lost two nil. Lost two one. Lost three one. Lost four one. Drew one one. Lost two one. Lost three nil. Lost four one. Lost two nil. Drew nil nil. Won three nil, which apparently was against Leeds. Lost 1-0, lost 2-0, lost 2-1. That's wow. unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> now, I think I counted one win and two draws in that. Yeah, yeah. One win and two okay, two draws, one a 0-0 nil nil and a 1-1. One one. Yeah. You say it's an American thing, though, like with Todd Bowley. But it's not. It's just like it's a Todd Bowley thing because you think of like... The Glazers at United, they they didn't go in and do this kind of mad shit. They just lowered the club with debt, etc. FSG didn't come in and do this mad shit. And if you take a look at like the the story of the moment, which is Wrexham, you got two like fucking Hollywood A-listers who know fuck all about football, who bought the club, and are beloved because they've just like they've let other people do the work and they've gone out and they've schmoozed and they've PR'd it and they've you know they've 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 looked at you know they've they've got in, invested in the town and everything like that. And they haven't like tried to step over anything with do with the football club. It's not like you know, far be it for me to defend Americans as a whole, but it's not an American thing. It's just Todd Bowley is just like so arrogant. He thinks he's like he thinks it's Major League Baseball where you can just buy the best players and it'll all work. And it's like that works, but like if you've got forty odd players in your squad, that's just too many in football. It does not work. Hmm. Having to extend the dressing room because there's like there's too many players in there. Yeah, sitting and on the some floor in the dressing room. Sitting on the floor. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's a Todd Bowley thing. Like so, I, I, it's just I, and the, the clear out they have to do. I mean, I, I'm guessing Pochettino will take over in the summer, but he would he should take over in the summer, not now. And it should be I'm gonna have to sell some of these, and you're gonna have to take a hit on some of these because this squad needs massively trimming, and it. it I think Chelsea will take a couple of years now for them to get back to anything sort of... If they want to challenge for a league title, it's going to take them a couple of years because they've totally fucked it with all these players they've bought. It's just way too many. Who do you reckon sat crazy. on the floor? Obama Yang, because he's been like completely I, de- I, be- I, de- I bet he didn't even turn Mason Mount will absolutely not be on the floor. <laughs> Lampard will have just been telling everybody to move and clear a seat for him because he's teacher's <laughs> pet, isn't he? Even though he's injured. Yeah. Conor Gallagher probably sitting on the floor. Yeah, good. I can't think they've got so many players. I couldn't tell you. I, can't, yeah. I can't. I it's it's. I go snow blind with all the players they've got. It's mental, and they've plus not not even just that they've got about thirty out on loan as well. Which the FIFA are curtailing this year, aren't mm. they? They're not allowed to do it anymore. So Chelsea are fucked. Just, basically, that's, that's yeah. one thing that one conclusion we can draw. And one more point that I want to make before we, we move on to the Forest game or the, the City-Arsenal game, which I suppose we have to talk about tonight, but you mentioned the Villa fan, Dave, and he was quite young and he might not have like seen as 
as much as your average fan. But like since Martin O'Neill left in 2010, they had uh, their manager's been Gerard Dullier, Fair enough. Not the same after his after his heart scare. Alex McLeish, Paul Lambert. Oof. These are the permanent managers. Tim Sherwood, Remy Gardner, yeah, Steve Bruce, Dean Smith, and Stephen Gerrard. And now they've got a proper manager in Unai Emery. And so I, I tend to trust that Villa fan's opinion because he's seen some pretty shit managers um, during, his, during his time. Yeah, I just uh, I, anyway. I can't have it that Gerrard's like in the same discussion as Lampard. I find that offensive. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm just going to get myself into trouble for ripping on Stevie. But... Um, so what about like the Forest result tonight, Dave? That's a, that's probably a massive unexpected bonus, really, and it probably comes with Brighton having played like 120 minutes at the weekend, and I Forest benefit that. from that. I predicted it. You did? Yeah, because you know we've okay. got like the the pickums on the site where like mm. you pick results. I had I had two one Bournemouth, sorry two one Forest, and the right. reason for that was because that the big hangover with Brighton. Mm-hmm. I just thought it's the right time to play them, and Forest at home. The home form's been okay. They're not like blowing teams away, but the the they're tough to play against. Uh, the games are generally really close. It's just away from home that they've just been dire. So I fancied them to get points there, and it's just it's great because they've moved yeah. up a place. Everton down to second from bottom puts all the pressure on them. But I've just got a horrible feeling Newcastle's going to shit the bed and lose one nil to a scabby set piece. Remember the game Thanks. last year though, and Newcastle were winning, and. Like the Harry Potter changed himself to the goalpost, didn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. And there was like nineteen minutes stoppage time or something, and Everton equalised right at the end of that stoppage time. Because yeah. like yeah. that Anthony Gordon, when um, when he left and he went to Newcastle, like a couple of weeks later, he put something on Twitter, didn't he? Um, about like, oh, and he done an interview. That was it. And he like he'd said about Everton didn't wish him luck when he left. And he said, yeah, I was a bit hurt by that. You know, I thought like that they should have uh, wished me luck and, and like thanked me for, you know, added as much as anybody to, to keep them up last season. And some Everton fan replied with a picture of like that lad changed the goalpost. And they, they, went, they went, fuck off you. They went, this fucking nonce did more than you did to keep us up last year. So hopefully Newcastle will remember that, like what happened last year and... You know, they won't let that happen again. They'll get the job done, but I just yeah. don't trust them. I'm starting to come around to the idea that it might actually happen, you know. I know if I've... And if if it does happen, I will be full of apologies to you because the entire time I've been like, you just know that as soon as Sean Dyche gets in there, they're going to start picking up 1-0 wins and draws on the road. And, and it's going to, you know, they'll be out. I said that I think I predicted well, they'd stay they have, about eight or nine points. To be but, fair, they have done that to some extent. Mm-hmm. But so now 1-0 that, wins, I mean, a draw at Palace... But they're on 28 points now. Forest are on 30. I mean, obviously, Everton have the game in hand and stuff. But I, I, I don't think there's any chance Leicester goes down. I think they'll manage to get themselves out of it just because of yeah. the quality they've got. And it's I think it's either it's Leeds, Forest, and Everton, isn't it? I think, like, two of those three. I'm not writing Southampton off yet either. Everyone no. keeps laughing at me for saying not that. tomorrow, haven't they? Southampton are not that bad. They're really not. But they just they they lack a goal scorer and that's been killing them all season. But they're not mm-hmm. that bad. And if you're looking at the fixtures, which that's what I do for probably like three hours every day, <laughs> I'm going through all the fixtures of the teams at the bottom. And Southampton have got some winnable games, and Everton's fixtures are pretty brutal. You know the yeah. games that they needed to win was like Fulham at home. They needed to win that, and they lost. That's really put them behind the eight ball. But 
I seen like um lad like from uh, I've known him since I was four. He was like my best mate throughout school, and like we kind of lost touch like as as we grew up and that. But I bumped into him last night, and he's like a massive blue, and um <clears throat> and like the subject obviously comes up. And he's like, oh, we're gone. He said, we're gone, mate. He said, there's no way we're staying up. He said, like, we're so bad. And I went, look, I said, you know, I, I hope so, like. And, and I, I knew how he'd take it. And, I, and, and he so just, mean, he looked dude. at me and he went, you know what? He went, completely fair enough. He said, I totally get that. I don't blame you. He said, because I'd be exactly the same. He said, because that was it. He went, you must be thinking this is fucking hilarious and wanting us to go down. I was like, yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm, I'm like really desperate for you to go down. I think it'd be dead funny. And he was like, yeah, you know what? I totally get that. No problem at all. He said, like, I'd be exactly the same. And he said, the only thing that, like, he said, from his point of view, he said, I don't take the piss about anything. So I don't want people taking the piss out of me over it. And I was like, well, I wouldn't be taking the piss out of you. I'll tell you now, I'm desperate for you to go down. But if it happens, I'm not going to be like rubbing your nose in it or anything like that. Like, you mm-hmm. know what? I will feel bad for you, but I still want it to happen. And he was like, yeah, I totally get that. That's, you know, that's fine. Because it is, it's like, they've, they've got to understand how much they hate us and, like, they want us to get beat all the time. So I just want this to happen because it'll be funny. And I don't think any Everton fans got any right to think that that's out of order. Because it's just, it's just mm. the way it is, isn't it? You know, it's, it's not impersonal. It's just the way it is. I think they've got every... Uh, the way I feel about it, I think they've got, like, plenty of right. And I've said this before, they've got plenty of right to, like be as sick of us and hate oh, us yeah. as much as they do like the the amount of misery that we've inflicted upon them down the years like i'd be exactly the same like jules and i will always say like that the, for us it was man united kind of ruining our childhood and stuff and mm. perhaps we didn't have the same level of rivalry with everton that the you local lads did as a kid but like i i think if they do go down it would be kind of it would be it would be funny but it's not something i'm going to take any like huge massive pleasure in but i know for you like that's you don't need to having a... you don't need to take any pleasure from it because i'll take so much pleasure for all yeah, of us okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's fine <laughs> it's really it's so fine. mean dude <laughs> it's so mean like i mean it would just be like the ultimate the ultimate comedy moment in terms of everything <laughs> your entire 30 years almost of, of writing about everton ripping on them like in our worst season in the last god knows how long <laughs> it was redeemed by them getting relegated like it wouldn't even count as a bad season to you anymore if that happened would it no yeah. <laughs> it'd be one of the best it would one right. of the most memorable um jules the other important game in in the premier league tonight was the the man city arsenal game and i think going into that for most of us who have witnessed firsthand over the last few years um, what tends to happen in these situations? There was no surprises with the way it turned out. No, um, Manchester City are to um, to coin a pop culture reference. They're like Thanos. They're just inevitable. Um, I, I feel really. I don't feel really sorry, bad for Arsenal, but I do. I I have massive amount of sympathy for them because um, they've had a great season and it's going to be all they're going to finish second they're not going to win the league because there's a team that cheats relentlessly has cheated to get to the top and they're not playing by the same rules as everybody else and it's just as i say it's inevitable that they will catch you um you know i didn't see any of the game tonight obviously i was watching our game but I, i said this to dave on the weekend and 
it's weird how often City get home games against title rivals in the second half of the season. Now, obviously, no one thought Arsenal were going to be title rivals this year. So I can't really count that one. But we were playing them on April 1st at the Etihad. Mm. We never play, We never seem to play them in the first half of the season early on at the Etihad. We always seem to play them in the second half when we have to go there and get a win. It's never got to be a draw. It's got to be a win. And we 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 haven't won the Etihad for God knows how long. It's just it's just we do we can't do it. And I don't even think it's that intimidating the ground, but the style of football they play, where they dominate the ball and they pass it around, it's just at home they they are just almost irresistible, um, and not in a good way. And I think that's Arsenal cooked now, unfortunately. They they as I say, yeah. they've got two games in hand and two points behind, so they can afford to lose a game. And still and and win the other and still go ahead of them. Um, so yeah, there'd be no Arsenal fans listening, obviously. But I, you know, I have sympathy for you. Um, yeah. It's 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 not it's tough, and you'll be sitting there going, "Well, this isn't fair. <laughs> like we've been great. How are we not winning this? You're going to finish with ninety odd points, and you're not going to win the league. Well, that's been Liverpool's reality for four, three, four of the last five years." Um, and it's not. It doesn't get any easier to take. It, it's. It's. And until until they uh, until they cheat in ways or, or, or put put have a, a stop put to them. It's always going to be like this. And you know, just to reiterate, I'm sure anyone who listens to this knows because they, they they'll be Liverpool fans. They'll know. But it is it is insane that Manchester City. No matter. It doesn't matter if they've had ten years of dominance. They've been good for ten years. Manchester City have a higher revenue stream than Real Madrid. Real fucking Madrid. Mm. I think Real Madrid are probably the most famous club in the world. The most successful European club ever. Real Madrid. The most famous sporting organisation in the world, perhaps. The the home of the Galacticos, Zidane, Ronaldo, both Ronaldos. You know, um, they've they've had like the weird glamour ones like Beckham. They've had like legends like Gareth Bale. That's for you, Chris. Um, they've, <laughs> if you're having Gareth Bale, I'm having Michael Owen. No, he was there for a cup of coffee. You fucking are having Michael Owen. You may as well have Jonathan Woodgate. Gareth Bale was there for a round of golf. <laughs> <laughs> and about three European Cups. Yeah, um, one of them at our expense, which you seem to be reveling in these days. I, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> Gareth Bale is not the reason we lost that European Cup final. Um, but like, like you know, Real Madrid, you know, this this incredibly famous institution that you know, you go you go anywhere in Europe, you see Real Madrid shirt um, as a basic level, and yet somehow Manchester City outstrip them for revenue, and you don't think that's a bit weird? It's just it's mm. it's just in. I, it's just incredible that they they've been allowed to get away with it. They've got 114 charges from the Premier League. And it's just, and and I I don't expect every um, every news report, every you know newspaper report to say Manchester City won four one. Obviously they're cheats, but but um, I cannot I cannot get on board with people lauding them and saying how great they are. Yeah. When you must know that the reason it's but they're Manchester City, they were they you know what are we in 2023. 13 years ago, they were owned by a shady Thai fella and they were buying mad players like Rubinho and they were still shit. They were still shit. They were hiring like 
Sven Joran Eriksson off his sex boat to come and fucking work for them. <laughs> they were, they they were a joke. They've always been a joke. They, they you know, they've they've uh, out of their history, they've had a couple of good years, and apart from that, they they are the the poor relation in Manchester. But now suddenly they're this dominant team. They're this like all-encompassing juggernaut financially and like on the field. And you think this bollocks. Absolute bollocks, and I have every sympathy with Arsenal that they must feel the same way. And I know, like, a few of them will sit there and go, Well, you know, we didn't think we were going to finish in the top four, and we finished second. That's all right. You don't really think that. You're furious and you're gutted that you're not going to win the league because someone, these these twats have cheated. And I've said it before it on this podcast. It doesn't very often, does it? You know, it, it doesn't come very often, these chances. And, and you, can, I've... you can enjoy finishing second and enjoy your young, vibrant team, or you're not. But at the end of the day, like, nothing will compare to the actual winning of it but no. sorry go ahead no no I, I was just like I, I was just going to say like years and years ago when Jimmy Hill was still alive and he used to work for Sky and he did the Sunday supplement he used to fucking drone on every week about uh, ex-pros should go and be referees because no one understands the game or he'd say it every week and you're like fucking hell shut up you dickhead but I'm going to say this I'm going to be a do a Jimmy Hill and I'm going to drone on about the same thing I always say it's not enough that you're rich it's not enough that you've got loads of money. Organically, you would have grown anyway. No, you've got to cheat as well. You've got to cheat. It's not enough that you, you've got more money than God. No, got to cheat as well. Got to make sure that we win by cheating. We'll bend the rules. We'll break the rules. We don't care as long as we win. And it's like, what is the point? Like, it, it, it's just, you know, I, I, again, I'll, you know, I'll hand it over to Dave, but I, I feel every bit of sympathy for Arsenal tonight. We've been there multiple times. Dave, before I just want to pose this to you, like before we we kind of go to you, like I was talking to an Arsenal fan friend of mine, and he said for uh, a long time that we have been robbed of like an era of dominance because of them, and the context that he said that in was the fact that that Arsenal era was cut short by Abramovich taking over at Chelsea and Mourinho mm. coming in and them signing everybody. So this is the second time that they've been experiencing that. So I know that in the past you've kind of like. You've had your say about Arsenal fans and Arsenal and everything that goes along with that. But, I mean, how do you view this? Uh, oh, well, on that point, the only difference really, um, and it's it's a technicality, but Chelsea weren't breaking rules at that point because the rules weren't in place. Weren't so there. Chelsea's spending was, it was distasteful and, yeah, it's... It, it, Leaves a bad taste in the mouth if you're an Arsenal fan. I totally get that, but technically they weren't breaking any rules at that point. They were a Champions League club as well at that point. They yeah. were like winning stuff, yeah. But the rules are there now, and they're being blatantly ignored. Uh, we all know it. I mean, they're paying Harland nine hundred grand a week. That should be mentioned every single time. People talk about how many goals he scored. Say, well, yeah, but I mean, he's getting nine hundred grand a week or close to it. You know, nobody talks about that. When how are they affording to do that? know it's it's just it's so it's there for everyone to see everybody knows what's going on for some reason a lot of pundits just want to completely ignore it don't bring it up at all now what arsenal's going through here i've got sympathy for them definitely i've got sympathy for them i do i didn't want arsenal to win the league and i've said this before in the pod part of it's just to do it me being like a, a small petty man and it's like well we missed out i don't want them just waltzing in and, and mm-hmm. capitalising like after one good season and that's enough for them to win the league while we went through what we went through so there's that but 
the most overriding reason for it is I want City to win the league because I want people to get pissed off about it. It shouldn't just be us. Every year, it's us talking about it. And people are just like, ah, who gives a fuck? It stopped Liverpool winning the league. Well, okay, let's see how, how you react when it's other teams who are being stopped from winning the league and it's City winning the league all the time and the league's become boring as fuck because a, a team that's cheating is winning it every single year. Eventually everyone's going to start getting pissed off and they're going to start demanding that something's done about it. Now, OK, something is being done to some extent. You know, there's charges in place. Who knows how that's going to play out? But I just feel like if Arsenal were to win the league this year, I feel like that helps City out in a way. Yeah. It takes some of the pressure off where people are maybe not as... It's like, well, Arsenal done it, so why can't somebody else do it? What's the big deal? Whereas Arsenal like were way ahead... And now they've just been ground down to dust and, and City will win it comfortably. And I feel well, I tell you what, what I do feel sorry for Arsenal. They're gonna have like all knobheads calling them bottlers and everything else now. Now last year they bottled the top four. They, they bottled it last year. Now you can say that they're doing the same thing again, but it's totally different. You get to April in a title race with Man City and the pressure is fucking unbearable because you've got no wiggle room at all. It's like if you drop you get a draw away from home. Like they drew at Anfield, and there was, there's people saying like that's a bad result, and it is. You know that was the start of it, really. That was the result that yeah. like really started the problems for them because mm-hmm. the two nil up, but they end up drawing two two, and you're not looking at that as we've just got a point at Anfield, a place where we get beat every year. You look at it like we just dropped two points there. Man City are going to win every game. That's two points dropped. Now we've got even less margin for error. Then they draw the next game, and then the heads have gone at that point because the pressure's just you they've not had any experience of dealing with this situation now we have we know how hard it is and like we won every game and still didn't end up winning it arsenal were never going to do that arsenal were always going to feel the pressure and there's nothing to be ashamed of in that i know what's happening to arsenal now they've had a great season they've punched above the weight because they're not a great team you know there's still a team on the way up they're quite young uh, they're, they're probably way ahead of schedule where they thought they'd be. So that's all positive. And I feel yeah. like it's wrong that there's all kinds of negativity being heaped on them now and people taking the piss and going, ah, oh, you've bottled it. No, they haven't. They're just up against a team that's like fucking cheating. Because for all these points that Arsenal have dropped in the last few weeks, they're still miles ahead of everybody else. If you take City yeah. out of it, Arsenal are like sitting pretty at the top of the league. They're having a little bit of a wobble, which they'll come through and they'll start winning games again and they'll finish miles ahead of everybody else. So they've got nothing to be ashamed of here. And me and Jules have took the piss out of Arsenal for years and that, but it, it, there's, there's a difference in that. Like the Arsenal thing, it's like I said it like after after we played them around field and like, you know, the way they observed the silence and all of that stuff. It's like the thing with Arsenal mm-hmm. fans. Arsenal fans are knobheads, but they're not cunts. And that's like the difference. You know, it's it's a football rivalry with Arsenal. There's nothing really personal there. You know, it's I, I don't yeah. like, I've not got any massive like hatred for Arsenal at all. I'll, I'll take the piss and like, you know, we'll have a laugh at their expense and stuff, which, which yeah. we have done. Not this season because what have we got to laugh at, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, right. it's, it's a different kind of rivalry. Like, we've got a traditional rivalry with Arsenal and it's never been nasty or anything like that. It's just a proper yeah, yeah. football rivalry. We've gone, we we've gone head to head with them. 
triumphs over like they'll when well, they'll come to Anfield and they'll sing "We Won the League" on Merseyside, mm-hmm. and we would come back at them with the like the one nil down, two one up, Michael Owen won the yeah. cup, and like just back and forth and back and forth. It was about what our two teams have accomplished As down it the years. Be. It's not about fucking tragedies or yeah. poverty or anything like that. Like so, I've got no beef with Arsenal fans. My dad was one for a start, but I've yeah. got no real beef with Arsenal fans at all. Like. Um, that's because you weren't in the chippy that night with me and Jules. No, I wasn't. That's, no. yeah. that's what it stems from. That's what it all goes back to. And we won it that does. night. So like, we knocked him out yeah. of the European Cup and ended up getting to the final. So, um, <laughs> But it all stems say, from Dave, that. You're, really you're, you're a petty small I man. I am. But that doesn't mean I, I, like that I, I haven't got sympathy for Arsenal. And I will yeah. fight Arsenal's corner. Anyone who wants sure. to be giving them shit, I'll stick up for them because we've been there and you've got all yeah. these fucking knobheads from teams who are like bottom six or mid table, like just and they're, they're talking about like you're bottling it. We teams just these knobheads were saying that we bottled it when we we drew one, we won like so out the last 15 games, I think we won 14 and drew one. And you have that draw and they're like, aha, you've blown it, you've bottled it. Fuck off! We're like making history here. Nobody else has ever like got this amount of points, other than like these cheating bastards up the road. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to like take the piss out of us. It's like fuck off. And that's exactly what Arsenal are going through now. Okay, Arsenal have not done as well as we did in in those seasons, but still, overall, they're, they're on course for probably like ninety points or whatever. They've had a great season. In fact, I think. The only other time they've come close to, to 90 points or they got 90 points was the Invincible season, wasn't it? Right. So the, what they're doing is like very similar to their greatest ever team. And yet right. they're being made to feel like somehow inferior because they're missing out to, to Man City. But it's again, it just comes down to like you're finishing second in the Tour de France. To, to fucking right. Lance Armstrong, that's that's what it comes down to. That's what it is, and not enough people are making that point. And Arsenal fans are now going through what we've been through, and they're probably feeling the same way. And yeah. I, I, it's in some ways, it's probably better for them now that it's pretty much over with, and they know it's over because it's saved yeah. them from like the next few mm-hmm. weeks of like looking at City's results and thinking, oh, you know, they might drop points here. Look at City's fixtures; they're not dropping any points, and you end up yeah. getting desperate and you look. Look at the fixtures and you go, well, they've got Wolves. Uh, Wolves did beat them a couple of years ago. You're looking at games where you think that might be tricky. And then the 3-0 up after 15 minutes and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And at least Arsenal fans are not really having to go. They're not going to have to go through that over the next few weeks because it's pretty demoralising. Just one thing as well. They they're probably going to win. I, I've resigned them myself to they're going to win the European Cup this year. They're more likely to probably win this the treble, the the league, the FA Cup, and the European Cup. Manchester United sacred, special treble, and yet if they win it, I don't think anyone's really going to give a shit. Mm, like no. I I've noticed I've noticed a lot now that like in comments whether it be on social media or you know on match reports i don't like the the devil is not being given its due anymore at manchester city i think i think that like dave speaks about you know if they win this it'll, it'll turn the tide i think i think the tides already started to turn that people don't take them seriously they take you know they they obviously are going to win the league they're winning everything but i don't think people take them seriously as like these are going to go down as like that Manchester United team, possibly because that Manchester United team did it first. 
but also there's just the the big asterisk is 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 so big now it's like looming like the death star over them it's just it's too big to ignore anymore about how they've done this and everyone they they basically they haven't ruined football but they've they've, they have ruined it for me because my interest in football has dropped massively because i just think what's the point they win everything they're winning everything this isn't like ferguson's united of the 90s or wenger's arsenal or even Mourinho's chelsea this is something we've never really seen in football where Mm. they are the dominant power financially and and on on the field and it's just at some point you just sort of go oh they won again shrug it doesn't it just it's it you become you become numb to it it doesn't really matter because you just think well they cheat of course they've won yeah i mean the, the thing that arsenal have done this season they've been what we've been for the last three or four years and they're that team that they've that offer some resistance to stop the whole thing looking like an absolute fucking joke. Yep. Because Manchester mm. City have yeah. 73 points after 31 games, which kind of by their standards is kind of a little bit below par for where they usually are, I think. Because yeah. um, they're not going to get to mid-90s points this year or late-90s points. And Newcastle in third, on the same number of games, are 24 points behind them. So if you take Arsenal out of the equation, mm-hmm. just like when you took us out of the equation, the whole league's a fucking joke. They're winning it by 25, 30 points every season. Yeah. 10 wins, 9 wins. Like, it's just, it's it's already a complete formality if you take that one team out of the equation that somehow managed to break the paradigm and compete with them on at least a level to get close enough so Sky Sports can have their fucking title race. I saw people describing this game today as tonight as the game of the decade i mean (laughs) did anybody did anybody in their right mind think that that wasn't going to go the way it was going to go i said to you after the first one in like they're going to get absolutely hammered here and that wasn't me like being wise after the fact it was just like a sense that that was what was going to happen in that fucking situation everything was set up for it to happen and yeah it's, it's it's frustrating and i think until it, and it's, ne- it's never going to happen because the broadcasters are never going to stop shilling the product that they have paid hundreds and hundreds of millions for by devaluing it, by saying what City is doing is anything other than legitimate. That's what it comes down to, really. They're, they're not going to start saying, well, you know, City were magnificent here, but it's because they fucking cheated. Like, that just completely devalues what they paid all that money for. So you, I know you've got, like, a few... In, in the press fighting the good fight and stuff but it's going to take the Premier League finding them guilty for anything to change otherwise it'll just continue to perpetuate yeah. the Premier League anyway. might find them guilty because otherwise they're not going to have a competition to make all these billions from mm. there you go alright well um, we've got a game at the weekend as well against Spurs um, we're now <laughs> above them in the table Rightfully so, they've had an awful season. How are they ever above us? I know we've had a shit season. (laughs) Their season's fucking terrible. And up until today, I've I've been ranting at people going like, how are they above us? It's fucking crazy. It really is. Because they've been moaning from the start of the season. They've had a terrible season. I don't know, they've been in fourth. It's fucking weird season. really is. Crazy. Um, I think that... I mean, they they sacked the, the mad Italian fella, and poor old Ryan Mason has been charged with making the best of a bad situation again until they appoint the successor, which probably won't happen until the summer now. But um, you'd like to think, Dave, that we continue our good run here and get a fourth straight win in Anfield on Saturday afternoon, yeah. Sunday afternoon. What happened with Spurs last weekend looked like players saying, "Right, let's get this fella out." 
mm. and I expect them to be much better at the weekend than they were last weekend. But, still... but they've got to play tomorrow night, don't forget. They've still got a game to play. Yeah, who's they play tomorrow? Manchester United. Okay, yeah, so it, we should win that comfortably on Sunday, really should. But I do think that Spurs uh, against United are going to be a lot more... They've got. I mean, the players like refunded the fans like the the, um, the ticket prices that they gave all the fans the ticket money back, didn't they? So mm-hmm. I do think there'll be a response from them against United, and I don't think they'll be like, I don't think they'll roll over at Anfield. But I just don't think they're very good. I think we should beat them relatively comfortably because it's our own. Uh, we beat them at their place as well, didn't we? Yeah. So yeah. For the fact that we were able to beat them away, what does that tell you? Because our away form all season's been wretched. So, yeah, anything other than a win on Sunday, I'd be very surprised. Jules, we'll probably make some changes tonight. I can't imagine Hendo plays again. Um, maybe we'll see Diaz start on Sunday and um, mm. hopefully Canate maybe coming back in as well. Yeah, I'm, I'll, again, on the Canate thing, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to come back because you can never tell with the injuries. I think Thiago will come in for Hendo because Hendo can't play. I would say the front three will be the same. I don't think Diaz will start. I think it'll be roughly what you saw today, except with Hendo out and Thiago in. That's a problem now, Thiago coming in for Hendo. Just not not about ability wise, but you saw what happened tonight. Thiago came on and he was playing like more central than Trent. Well, if you want, if you want my white hot take, uh, if if we can sell him in the summer, I would. Thiago. I thought, he, I thought everything slowed down when he came on tonight. Mm. I thought we got I, a bit passive and I think pedestrian you need, again. At his age, where I don't think he's ever really fully fitted into what we wanted to do, um, you know, the fitness. I, I t- one, isn't yeah, the fitness is the thing. It's all right saying how great he is, but if he's never playing, then it's kind of pointless. You but know, this um, new system doesn't particularly suit him either, unless he's playing in Fabinho's role. I don't well, think I, the, I, other, the other positions really suit him. I'd be massively concerned if Henderson started, so I think he has to play. Yeah, not, I agree, but I do think that... Un- hey, maybe Naby Keita will play. Ugh, I think he is back in training or <laughs> I th- this week. No, I, I think he's done. I think he's done now. I, th- I don't think you'll see him. I think Harvey him. might play, right? You could bring Thiago yeah. in when Curtis plays on the left side of the three and then you could bring Harvey in to play where Henderson Maybe. Plays. I don't know if they'd want to play Elliot and Jones in the same midfield. No. You, know, you know, it was actually... Instead of Jones... But you know who's a good fit for that position mm. that Hendo plays in on paper? It's a good a good fit, like the attributes that he's got. Are you going to say Darwin? No, I'm going to say Ox. Oh, God. Oh, and I'm not saying we should play Ox, because I don't want Ox to No, play. he's done as well. But that, that position, like his skill set kind of does fit that position that Hendo's been playing. No, he's done. But Yeah, I know he's done, and I wouldn't play him, but like I'm just saying on paper. But the game's mm. played on grass, so I wouldn't be picking him. <laughs> is it played on grass anymore isn't it like this hybrid shit now it's mostly f- f- artificial isn't it <laughs> it still looks it's like, like grass it's right. still grass isn't it it's, no it's, it's like half weave now isn't is it? it it's not it's, yeah it's half artificial now these days like Clapo's hair <laughs> <laughs> well right. that's where Frank could learn from Klopp yeah who's your hair guy yeah. there's a lot that Frank could learn from Klopp <laughs> yeah there is yeah, yeah, but he shouted at him once, though, remember? That got him yeah. the Everton job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on a CV, told Klopp to fuck off. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, that's a good place to leave it, I think. Anything else that you guys want to go before we uh, we round it off tonight? No, no, I think we're done, aren't we? 
Yeah. Good. All right. Nice. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, and yeah, nice rare away win for us tonight. Things are looking up again a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, three wins in a row in the Premier League and definitely a winnable game coming up at Spurs at the weekend. Dave and the boys will be back immediately after that one, but until then, we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this it was really good